and welcome back to Unsighted, the internet's least reliable English lit podcast. I'm Chantel. And I'm Amy. I have a peer review. Oh, gosh. How are you? I'm I'm good. Um, what's the peer review and who is it from? It's from me. About you? It's about you. Oh. You lied to the people. What did I say now? Okay, so last week we talked about Richard II uh-huh. and Henry IV took over the throne in Richard II and you said that Henry Percy, who supported Henry Bolingbroke, in the rebellion was nicknamed Hotspur, but he's not. That's not Henry Percy. It's actually Henry Percy, his son. Okay, I am not wrong. You know who is wrong? Who? Wikipedia, because they didn't make a distinction that made sense. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, um, it's very obvious. There's Henry Percy, uh-huh. who is the Earl of Northumberland, and then there's separately Henry Percy, who is his son nicknamed Hotspur. <laughs> and in Richard II, it was the Earl of Northumberland, who we yes. should refer to as the Earl of Northumberland, not as Henry Percy. Yeah. Uh, apologies. You know what? I think this is just a condemnation of men who name their kids after themselves multiple times in a row. Yeah, it gets really confusing, but also like it's hard to blame them because there were like, I don't know, 10 English names. So everyone's named the same thing. Apologies for mixing up words and names and stuff. It's going to come up often during the series, I think. Do you think he was called... Richard II, because he was a dick to everyone. Yes. <laughs> it's a shame that you had to give me this preview because I was, I almost re-listened to our episodes for this episode. So what happened is I was in the shower and I was listening to this podcast called Cool People Who Do Cool Stuff, which is the <laughs> foil to Behind the Bastards. And I finished the, the like episode and I guess I'm, I'm in... Like, we are in my favorite episode podcast stuff. So it oh, auto-played yeah. an episode of ours. And I'm in the shower living my best life, washing my hair, do, 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 you know, scrubbing, scrubbing. And I just hear, do, 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 do. And I, <laughs> I just go, no. I was like, that's me. I don't want to listen to myself when I'm in the shower. I do here to escape my own thoughts. <laughs> and then I got out of the shower all soapy and stuff. And I had to like stop the podcast. I also have our podcast in my subscribe list because you got to get them numbers, baby. And um, yeah, it will also autoplay for me on Spotify. So I'll just be listening to, you know, words about books and timeline scavengers and nuzzle house and Sandman stories. And then it's just like, I'm Chantel and I'm Amy. And I'm like, no, I'm Chantel. I'm Chantel, you imposter. Uh, I always find it weird. Yeah, it's a good time. It's weird having a podcast. Yeah, but it's it's a lot of fun. And I also noticed in this time because afterwards I had to like fix my podcast queue, if you will. You can leave replies now on episodes on Spotify. Can indeed. So, holla at us. Yeah, if you want to let us know how dumb we are, you should leave a reply on this episode. <laughs> what are we talking about this week? <laughs> Henry the Fourth, part one of two. Mm-hmm. I have a confession. What's your confession? I forgot that this week's play is actually hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> I was going into it. I was like, oh, Henry the Fourth. This is going to be so boring. And then I was like, oh, this slaps, actually, because it's largely not about Henry the Fourth and is actually about his ragtag son and his ragtag group of ragtag friends. And I found out also it is Shakespeare's most published play in his lifetime. Huh. Yeah. That's fun. That makes sense. So I love it. And the people also loved it. That's nice. I think for, for consistency's sake, let's remember that Henry the Fourth is Henry Bolingbroke from the last play. Yes. So we are carrying on our very extended series 
series of Shakespeare histories, Henry IV has taken over the throne from Richard II. This play begins 10 years after that has happened. Cool. So by this point, um, Richard II's wife is dead. Oh, is she? She died when she was 19. She was like 12. R.I.P. Oh my god, that'd be that'd be rough. Okay, I don't know where Henry's wife is, but he's got a son who is an adult. So Henry the Fourth happens in two parts. We're going to be talking about the first part. They're both like three-hour plays, and that's why we're separating them. Also because there's like so much that happens in this. <laughs> At the beginning of the play, Henry has been king for 10 years. There is much drama. We come in, he's had like a lot of internal struggles and also there is external struggles. So he's speaking with his counselors about how he wants to join the Crusades and get rid of his guilt about overthrowing Richard because, you know, there's nothing that helps with guilt over murder, like more murder and colonialism. An eye for an eye or whatever, right? Yeah, it's like an eye for an eye where you poke out someone's eye and then you're like oh I feel bad about doing that and then to make yourself feel better you go poke out like five other people's eyes so anyway he can't join the crusades and he's like oh no he can't force Christianity on people because he needs to deal with a war that's happening. England is at war with Wales and Scotland currently. Uh, Wales is part of England, so that's like a civil war. And then Scotland, I believe, has not joined England yet. Yeah, so this is like all part of the like War of the Roses buildup. Yes. So in the drama, there's an English military leader named Mortimer who has been captured by a Welsh rebel named Glyndewyr. It's got an arrow in the middle, which is fun. And Henry's like, oh no, who would take English captives? How terrible. And then on the Scottish border, Henry Hotspur. Actual Henry Hotspur or Henry Hotspur's dad? <laughs> the guy we thought we were talking about last week, but this is his son. Actual Hotspur. Actual Hotspur, IRL. So he has taken a bunch more captives in Scotland and Henry's like, oh yay, I love when we have captives. Don't take my <laughs> men. But also, ooh, we have more men. <laughs> he also wishes that his son was like that. We haven't seen his son yet, but he's like, my son is garbage. I wish that Hotspur was my son. He's not going to wish that for you long. No, and like there's this place very much playing on that trope of like, you know, like it's your dream dad, not mine. Oh my God. Prince Harry is just like Troy Bolton. Yes. <laughs> yes, he is. If you want to see any of this, The King movie with Timothée Chalamet, I could say his name properly, but I don't want to. That came out in like 2019 is a pretty decent representation. It's less funny, but it's okay. I haven't seen The King yet, but I am going to before our next episode, I hope. Timothée Chalamet. <laughs> Yeet, scoot. Um, Yeet, so, scoot. So he's like, yay, we have captives. All right. I'm going to get the captives. But Hotspur doesn't want to give the captives. He wants to keep almost all the captives for himself. He sent one captive. And this is against captive protocol, you see, because the king is supposed to get them. So Henry is mad about that. He's like, I wanted them for reasons undetermined. No, dad, I didn't want to give you back your pawns. Your pawns are mine. <laughs> it's not even his dad. He's just like projecting. <laughs> I don't want to give up my captives and play basketball. I just want to sing in the school musical. With my captives. <laughs> They're my backup dancers. We're all in this together. <laughs> Stick to the status quo, says Bolingbroke. <laughs> 
to Hotspur. No, no, no. Oh. I can really go back and like I could do a whole thing and like then there's no, the whole, this is like, beautiful. There's a whole like, you know, <laughs> Hal is gonna go all like, I gotta go my own way and then he's gonna come back and he's gonna, what about us? What about us, Hal? <laughs> You've unleashed me. I'm very pleased about it. In the actual play, we're flipping back and forth between King Henry and his son, who is also named Henry, but we usually call him Hal. I'm going to call him Hal all the time. And and there's too much flipping back and forth, and I don't like it, so I'm going to smush all those parts together in my summary, and maybe everyone can deal with it. So Hotspur gets called to court to get chewed out by Henry. Nom, nom, nom. By the way, I just want to take a moment. I know that we've said this, but I just want to like reiterate that all three of the main characters in this are named Henry. This is like the Barbie movie. Yeah, it is. <laughs> this Henry is king. This Henry is leader of the rebels. This Henry is hanging out in a bar getting drunk every night. It's like, this Henry is king. This Henry is prince of Wales. This Henry, which is, he was both. <laughs> <laughs> so Hotspur goes to, Henry Hotspur goes to court. He brings his dad, who is also named Henry. Henry Daddy. Yes, Henry Daddy Percy. Um, he is the Earl of Northumberland. He was the one who supported King Henry in his rebellion in the last play. King Henry here being Bolingbroke. Yes. He also brings his uncle, who is not named Henry, whose name is Thomas. Thomas. Thomas Percy. He is the Earl of Worcester. He exists, I promise. I promise that he exists. I'll take your word for it. There's too many people. So he's in trouble because he hasn't given up his captives, as we know. And he explains that he's not being rebellious. He was actually just being homophobic. Okay. Let me explain. Because (laughs) Henry's messenger showed up after the battle and he was like, hey, can I have the captives for the king, please? As is the protocol. And Hotspur was just like, ugh, this guy is so feminine and I have to be a dick to him because of that. Chantel, I'm I'm just looking at this right now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> there's 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 three. What is what is happening? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay, okay. Chantel, let me explain this to yes. you because oh my god. Someone needs to. Okay. So, we have Henry Percy, the first Earl of Northumberland, who was in Richard II. Okay. Then we have Sir Henry Percy, Harry Hotspur, who was never Earl of Northumberland. And then okay. he had a child. Henry Percy. Okay. <laughs> Who was the second Earl of Northumberland? Okay. So let me just make this clear to everyone. In our brain right now, there are three Henry... No, there are four. He also has a kid named Henry No, why are there four? They don't need to know this. Then there's another... Then there's another... Then there's another... Why? Why are there... No. No. Who is in this? So in this, okay, so in this one... It's the second Henry Percy that is Hotspur. Sure. The son of the other... The son is Hotspur and the dad is not Hotspur. The dad is the first Earl. Correct. Okay. Are we satisfied? Um, with the fact that there are at least seven Henry Percy's? No, not with that, because that I will never be happy about. <laughs> it's Henry Percy's all the way down, isn't it? It's it's Henry Percy's all the way down. <laughs> but for the purpose of this, we are dealing with the second Henry Percy, who is the child of the first Earl in Northumberland, but was never Earl of Northumberland himself. So if this was Timeline Scavengers podcast, this is the point where this whole conversation would have been cut off and we would have got that audio clip that's like, well, I ain't gonna lie to you. The boys gone done fucked up. They went off on a tangent and derailed the whole show. But we're not on Timeline Scavengers yet. So, um... No, and you know what? We are we are strong, independent women who are allowed <laughs> to go through a Wikipedia rabbit hole of Henry Percy's. <laughs> And come back from it right where we left off. Indeed. <laughs> Henry 
Percy Hotspur explains that he's not rebellious, he is just homophobic, so he needs to be a dick to the feminine messenger, and Henry, the King Henry, is like, cool, whatever, so can I have them now? And Hotspur is like, no. And he proposes a deal, and the deal is that he would like for King Henry to pay the ransom to get Mortimer. Remember Mortimer, who was taken captive in Wales? Yes, and he wants this because his wife is Elizabeth Mortimer. Yes, so uh, that makes this guy his wife's brother and his brother-in-law. The deal is, if you pay the ransom to get Edmund Mortimer back from Wales, I will give you my Scottish captives. So, like, swapping border captives. Mortimer is Hotspur's brother-in-law, yes, but he is also the official heir to the throne that King Richard II apparently named, but we never saw that. It's just, it happened in post. (laughs) So for Henry, it's like kind of convenient that that guy's out of the way. And Henry's excuse to not want that is that Mortimer is a traitor because he married Glyndeweer's daughter. Glyndeweer is the Welsh leader of the rebels. Okay, yes. So Edmund Mortimer is the fifth Earl of March. Yes. So Henry believes that Mortimer lost the battle to the Welsh rebels on purpose. And that would be bad, not only because he lost the battle for the king, but also because of like thousands of English soldiers died in that battle. So yeah, he's a, Edmund is a great, great grandson of King Edward III of England and was heir presumptive to King Richard II, both his paternal first cousin twice removed and maternal half grand uncle. That was a fake, that was were fake words that you just said. Yep. Um, <laughs> his claim to the throne was the basis of rebellions and plot against Henry IV and his son Henry V and was later taken up by the House of York. There you go. So this is all setting the basis for the War of the Roses still. So Hotspur gives us all this exposition about why he thinks that Henry is refusing to bring back Mortimer, which is, you know, the heir thing. So they go off and they like pull out a family tree like Amy's doing right now. <laughs> and they're like, see, because he was the maternal half cousin uncle grandson thing. Very Alabama. <laughs> Alabama always gets the short end of the stick. And see, Henry Bolingbroke, King Henry IV, who we supported in this rebellion, oh, he took over the throne by force. And that's bad, even though we supported him to do it. And let's be clear, it wasn't by force. Richard was like, I don't want to do this. Yeet. And then Henry was like, mine, I Yes, guess. I'll get to like Henry's whole leadership style later. But yes, entirely. <laughs> Henry's whole thing is like he just kind of stands there and like waits for the most convenient thing to happen to him. And he's just really lucky. I love that for him. So Hotspur's dad and uncle suggest that they ally themselves with both of the rebel forces from Scotland and from Wales and plus whatever English people don't like Henry at the moment. And they team up and they like try to take the throne back from Henry that they originally supported him to get. So they all split up. All three of them go to get these allies. They go to Scotland to return the prisoners and to team up with their leader, whose name is Douglas. They go to Wales to hang out with Mortimer and Glyndeweer and ask them to join the battle. And they go to the Duke of York in England, who is mad because his brother was one of the people who was executed for conspiring to kill King Henry. I think that was one of the people that did that at the end of the last play when they were like throwing all the heads on the ground. So then we jump back. So we've got the one group led by Henry the 
fourth, the king, um, which is like the royal court group. Then we've got the second group, which is led by Henry Percy Hotspur, who is like the rebels group. Now we're jumping to the third group led by Henry, Prince Hal, who is also named Harry. <laughs> and he is a rowdy lad. And that's his whole shtick. He's like, I would say he's like the main protagonist of the three protagonists. So we're with Rowdy Hal. Um, his whole shtick is that he hangs out with a bunch of like loafers and liabouts in bars and brothels all day. He's a bit of a fuck boy, frat boy type of guy. Yes. Yeah, he is. He's like the leader of the frat boys. He'd be like one of those like quarterbacks, but he wouldn't be happy. One of it. the quarter, one of the many quarterbacks on the football team. Yes. I think there's at least two. I don't know. I don't play. I don't know. Like one and a backup one, you mean? Yeah. Like an air and a spare. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. So he's the quarterback of the frat boys and he's got a lot of friends, but his main friend who's going to be relevant here is Falstaff. They call him Sir. So I don't know if he's like a disgraced knight or something. I don't think he's real. <laughs> no, he's not real. Yeah, he is completely made he's up. He's a fictional character, yeah. He's fictional added to for the sake of the play. I don't really know what his full deal is, but basically what he does is he just gets made fun of a lot and he makes a lot of bad puns and he's my favorite character, but he's also the butt of way too many fat phobic jokes, so that's not cool, but he's very fun as a character. He, well, he's he's a fool, right? Yes, absolutely. So he has a plan. His first thing that he does is he has a plan with three other guys to rob a rich traveler's caravan that's going to pass through. Hal doesn't want to get in on this because he's like, I'm going to be king one day. I can't be out here doing robberies. But then his other friend points is like, no, no, no. I have a plan. And the plan is they're going to let these guys rob the caravan. Very chivalrous of them to do so. But then they're going to rob their friends. Rich kids gonna rich kids. Am I right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's exactly what this is. Uh, so they're gonna like let the robbery happen, counter rob them because they know that Falstaff and everyone else here are like cowards and they'll run away as soon as they're attacked and then they're gonna lie about it and that's gonna be the joke is listening to them lie about it. So they do that. It's like a whole, it's very long, but we don't need to go over it. That's what they do. So Falstaff comes back and this is the funniest scene in the play. This might be the funniest scene in the entire Henriad. I'll be the judge of that. I'll explain the scene to you and I'll also read an excerpt from the scene. Falstaff walks in, he's got all the guys, they're all like beaten up and we just saw them like run away from the two hooded Hal and points so we know they didn't get beaten up so they've beaten themselves up so that they can pretend to get into a fight and Falstaff's like so I was fighting these two guys and listen I would never lie to you about this so anyway <laughs> the four of these guys that I was fighting and he keeps like increasing the number <laughs> of guys that he was fighting. I'll, I'm going to read this to you. The fish was this big. <laughs> it's so good. So Falstaff has said, I have peppered two of them. Two, I am sure I have paid two rogues in buckram suits. I tell thee how, if I tell thee a lie, spit in my face and call me a horse. Thou knowest my old ward. Here I lay, and thus I bore my point. Four rogues in buckram let me drive at me. And Hal is like, what, four? Thou saidst but two, even now. And Falstaff's like, four, Hal. I told thee four. And Quince is like, aye, aye. He said four. And Falstaff's like, so these four came all front and mainly thrust at me. I made no more ado, but took all their seven points at my target thus. Hal's like, seven? Why, but there were but four even now. Falstaff's like, in Buckram? Points is like, I four in Buckram suits. Falstaff's like, seven by these hilts or I am a villain else. Hal's like, prithee, let him alone. We shall have more and none. Blah, blah, blah. They have a little back and forth. And Falstaff says, these nine in Buckram that I told Jesus thee of. <laughs> Hal says, so two more already. <laughs> 
Falstaff says, their points being broken, began to give me ground, but I followed me close, came in foot in hand, and with a thought, seven of the eleven I paid. <laughs> and Hal says, oh, monstrous, eleven buckram men grown out of two. And then the reason that he, like, uses to catch him is because Falstaff then says that they were in Kendall Green, and then he says, it's so dark, thou couldst not see thy hand. And Hal's like, these lies are like their father that gets them gross as a mountain, open, palpable. Why thou clay-brained guts, thou naughty-pated fool, thou whoreson, obscene, greased tallow keech. He goes out for it. And he's like, how couldst thou know these men in Kendall Green when it was so dark, thou couldst not see thy hand? Boom. The vibes. That is the vibes. So Falstaff, um, he knows he's caught, but he is the king of the bluffs. So he bluffs his way out of this one because he says that he actually did recognize Hal. And of course, he would never lay hands on a prince. So he had to run away. Mm. So Hal's like, I'll give the money back. It's whatever. I'll give the money back to these thieves who stole it. And then Hal gets news about the civil war that's going on. So all this is catching up to him that happened in the first few scenes. And he learns that he has to go to court tomorrow. So like, this is really serious. Of course, they're not going to be joking and kidding around anymore, right? You would think. Wrong. So he knows that there's a civil war. It's very serious. And he puts on a little play with Falstaff. That's what they decide to do with the rest of their night and make fun of the king and also make fun of Falstaff. So Falstaff pretends to be the king and he's like, I hear that you're friends with this really honored gentleman named Falstaff and he's just great and I love that you're friends with him. And Hal's like, nah, my dad would never say that. And then he like takes the place of the dad and he's like, this guy, Falstaff, you need to stop being friends with him because he is the worst. Great friendship. Friendship is magic. Falstaff does that and then he passes out drunk, I think. He falls asleep, but uh, like they're all drunk. So the sheriff shows up and he's looking for the thieves who robbed the travelers. And Hal decides he's going to cover for Falstaff. He's like, I will find the thieves myself. And also, I would never associate with thieves. And also, here is all the money that was stolen on an unrelated note. <laughs> I've never seen this money before in my life. <laughs> I don't know how much money was stolen, but here's the exact amount. He was only doing it for a laugh, so he's, he's like a rich kid who was just having fun, so he can pay it back. Rich kid gonna rich kid. Right. So he shows up to court the next day, and Henry's like, hey, you're a bad son, and you're bad at being a son, and you're bad at being a prince and stuff, um, and you'll be a bad king. He's like, Hotspur is doing rebellion stuff, but Hotspur would be a better heir than you are, because at least he has honor. Imagine like your dad telling you that. I know, he's like so mean here. And he's like, I think that you have no honor and I also think that you're gonna turn on me in the rebellion. So it's like a lot. And then Hal's like, oh my God, I would never. And this is the first time we see Hal be like princely. So he like gets down on his knee. He's like, I not only will never turn on you, I will take on Hotspur in the war and I will kill him. And therefore I will take on all his virtues virtues that you just said he has. We've read the picture of Dorian Gray. That ain't how that works. <laughs> yeah, nothing gives you honor and truth and virtue like murdering someone, right, Amy? Correct. Hand-to-hand -hand combat. <laughs> it's different murder when you're doing it as a knight thing. So he says that and then Henry gives him an army to command. He's like, I believe you. Go prove it. So Hal gets the army. He comes back to the tavern. He gives Falstaff command of a foot soldier brigade. And the audience goes, well, that can't go well, can it? <laughs> I, I feel like he was gonna do it as a joke. Like he was joking.
joking about doing it before because Falstaff like can't really walk for very long without getting tired. So he was like, I'll go in the war and I'll give Falstaff a command of a foot brigade. And then he comes back all serious like, Falstaff, here's command of a foot brigade. I don't know what he's doing. And Falstaff's like, I I didn't ask for this. This is not what I want. This is not what I plan. <laughs> I just gotta say, I did I not. not understand. <laughs> So meanwhile, back in the rebellion camp, Hotspur is in Wales pissing off all his allies. Because his temper runs hot. Exactly. He lives up to his name. He just has a bad personality. What can I say? I mean, it's fine. There's another six of them to make up for. So he's like being rude to Glindawir. He's like, I'm just gonna like cut this river in this land because it's too curvy and I want it to be straight because, you know, he hates things that are not straight. Yeah, he has a a straight person agenda. Yeah. The straight agenda is be rude to the messenger and then... The straight agenda is be rude to the messenger and plan everything in a grid. It's a grid system, motherfucker. That's what he wants England to be. <laughs> He's being rude to Glinda Weir. And he shoves him. <laughs> Glinda Weir doesn't have time to send his people. He's like, oh, I don't I don't have time. Need more time. Need more than 14 days. But the war is in 14 days. A fortnight. And then his dad, Henry Percy, is sick. The first Earl of Northumberland. He also isn't sending his troops. So he thought he was going to have the Welsh troops and the English troops. And now he has neither of those. So all he has is the Scottish troops. So he hears that and he hears that also the king has like really quickly gotten his shit together and is sending a bunch of troops to fight him. And he's like wildly outnumbered now. So they go to war and Henry offers Hotspur a deal. He says, if you don't fight... Bolingbroke? Yes. King Henry IV, the artist previously known as Henry Bolingbroke. He says, if you don't fight... I will let all of the rebels off without consequences and I'll give your family what they want. Because you remember, this is his MO. His MO is like gathering all his troops and then showing up and being like, hey, I've gathered every advantage in this battle. I want to give you exactly what you want and I want you to give me the bare minimum. And also I won't totally mess you up. And the other guy is always like, no deal. (laughs) So when he did it to Richard, he was like, hey, I've got all these troops. I just want you to like give me my land and inheritance back and Richard was like no deal I'm gonna give you the kingship and I'm gonna leave because Richard's very weak. So, and then he did that to Hotspur and Hotspur is like the opposite of Richard. He's like too hot-headed and too strong. So he's like, no deal. I want you not to be king anymore. So you can never give me what you want. And I'm still going to go to battle with you even though I'm very clearly at a strong disadvantage and will obviously lose. So Hotspur goes to his troops knowing he's gonna lose. Do you know the like speech from Shrek when Farquaad is sending the knights to the castle and he's like, some of you may die, but that." That is a chance I'm willing to take. Yes. Yeah, that's Hotspur's speech to his troops here. Yeah, don't blame it. So this is, I feel like this is longer than it needs to be because battles are always longer than they need to be in place. See that 20 minute duel at the end of Hamlet? Fuck Kenneth Branagh. With the flinning of the swords where they're just smashing the swords together, it's not necessary. So they do a bunch of war stuff. Falstaff dies very undramatically. He's in a very undramatic battle. And then he kind of takes his own knife and then he's all like, oh no, I have been stabbed. He like pours some red wine on his 
his shirt. He's like, oh no, I'm dead. I'm worm food. So he does that and he, quote, dies. <laughs> and then we get Hal and Hotspur have their one-on-one fight. They're very dramatic about it. And they're like, I will never back down. And then Hotspur gets stabbed. And then he has a very dramatic death speech. And then Hal is like, oh, at one point, the whole of England was not big enough for the two of us. And now it's just a square of stage is big enough for both of us. And it's like the hindsight that men have after they do something really stupid. I mean, one less Henry's not going to hurt us. <laughs> Tick a Henry off your Henry list. One less Henry's not going to kill us. But it is going to kill Hotspur. Which is why his son becomes the second Duke of Northumberland. Because he decided to fuck around. And he found out. Mm-hmm. And then he actually is like, oh, I'm worm food. Yeah. Oh, wow. Falstaff has miraculously come back to life. How did this happen? So he walks in and he sees Hotspur dead. And he like takes out his knife and he stabs him in the leg. And he's like, yay, I killed him. And then Hal walks in and he's like, yeah, good job, buddy. You did it. You got him good. Falstaff's talking about how awesome it's going to be when he gets like all this land title because he killed the rebel who was going to take over King Henry's throne. And Hal's like, yeah, happy for you. That's like when you're in like in a team, like a group project at school and like somebody takes all the credit, but you're a people pleaser and you're like, I don't care who gets the credit. I just want the A+. That's exactly what it is. So then Henry is like, see, see what you did? You could have just taken the deal and then none of this would have happened and all those people wouldn't have died. But now you've done this and now I have to execute you. I'm not happy about it, but I'm going to have to. Because he's gotta. He gotta. So he does that. And Hal, who is more virtuous than anyone could have ever predicted, lets all of his captives go. Because that's what Hotspur would have done. Because he absorbed all his virtues. Yeah. When he killed him. Yeah, Yeah. that's how that works. We've already. That's how it works. Yeah. None of his hot temper, that's for sure. <laughs> so it's over. The rebellion has been squashed for now. But the Percys are like what's left of them. The very small amount of them left. They're madder than before, even though they brought all of this on themselves this time. And they're still mad at the king. So that has set the stage for Henry the Fourth, Part Two, which we will cover next time. What did you think of this play? I forgot how much of Henry the Fourth was actually about Hal. I know. I know. I didn't even like cover the parts where Hal isn't there in Falstaff is like banging the brothel lady or like getting out of paying his breakfast bill and stuff. It's like, it's just antics. It's like a third antics, at least. Maybe like half. This one's like very much historical fiction. (laughs) I think the first, like Richard II was very much like, these are the facts with played out spin so that it placates my current royal. Yeah. But this one's very much like, y'all, do you want to be entertained? Are you not entertained? Yeah, it's like, um, we're gonna have just a funny bunch of bumbling guys and in the background there's some rebellion stuff. It's like what happens when you don't pay attention to the news, right? Like you can do your own shit and then the bad stuff's still happening. Yeah, and Hal is very much like, oh, this is good for me actually that that all this is happening because like if I was just good the whole time and like a virtuous person just getting ready to become king, then all the common people would be like, yeah, he's like a good guy. But now that I've like done antics and counter robbed people and hung out in brothels and got drunk till two in the morning every night, now they're going to be like, oh, wow, that Prince Hal, he's really turned over a new leaf when I become King Henry V. And then everyone's going to love me. They're going to be like, set the bar low and then you'll vault over it. Have some analysis. Last week, I talked about The Mirror for Magistrates, which is, if you will recall, there was like a series of poems that was written about 40 years prior to Shakespeare starting this series of history plays 
plays where they would like have old historical figures and they would hold up a mirror and they would be like, ah, if only I had done such and such, I would have been a better leader. Anyway, I'm worm food. And then they like die again. Like a Christmas Carol. Christmas Carol, but like earlier in time. Christmas Carol, but make it not Scrooge McDuck. So that whole thing was about like what not to do if you are a person in power today. Like just don't be a dick about it. So Richard was like the first mirror for what not to do that we saw in the histories because he was too weak. He was like, no one was going to take his crown. Maybe they were, but he didn't let them. And he was just like, take it. I don't want it. I don't want to deal with it. Everyone else can deal with everything. I got 99 problems, but this crown doesn't have to be one. Hotspur is the opposite of him because he's too aggro. He's so aggro all the time. And Henry, he's like, I would say that he's the model of what to do, but he's not really. He just kind of is like the baby bear, you know, like in Goldilocks where he's like, this Henry is just right. So he kind of like stands there, is personable with his troops, does like basic common sense things, and then lets all the wacky stuff happen around him until everything falls into his lap. It's like his people are like, man, I could have a beer with him. And in reality, he's like, I don't even drink. Henry IV is Aaron Burr in Hamilton. But who would he be in High School Musical? The piano girl. Um, Lacey? Gracie? Macy? Yeah, one of those. Casey? <laughs> Flacey? Henry? I think it's Casey. I think it's Casey, yeah. So... <laughs> Yeah, he would be he would be the piano girl because she just sits there and lets all the wacky stuff happen around her and just does like basic common sense things. Like play the piano for two people who have never sung together before. She's just like, I'm here. I might as well play. He's like, I don't know what's happening. I'm just going to let it happen. That's his whole deal. So that was fun. It's not my favorite of the Henry Acts, Okay. Right. Like, I think it's just it's kind of like it feels like filler. Like we had to have like some we couldn't have like a 20 year jump. So we had to have a 10 year jump and then we had to set up some stuff. So now we're here. It does feel like filler because I think it, there is a lot of filler in it. It's like there's a little bit of historical stuff and then he's just like, okay, well, there's not enough historical stuff to fill a three hour play. So let's just have buffoons running about the stage for like an hour and a half of that. So I guess on a scale of like hiding in a brothel till two in the morning because you don't want people to have any expectations of you as the crown prince to like fully assuming your title and everyone loves you at the end. What would you rate this play? Being rich kid enough that I can just thief from people and it's fine <laughs> like it's not great but like it's fun yeah like um paying back the money that you stole from the thieves but then paying even more money to the thieves that stole it from the people in the first place so actually you're like paying that same amount in your own money just for a laugh yeah like the shits and giggles kind of play that's fair how do you rate it i would rate it like going to my dad's house and having a really good comeback to getting chewed out about how I'm not being a good prince. The comeback here being you shouldn't have accepted the crown that nobody forced you to take. He was right too though because it turned out okay in the end. Like a hundred thousand people died Chantel. Yeah but in like a chill way. I think this is a fun play. I like it. You're right. It's not like it doesn't have a really strong standing in the histories and as I mentioned at the beginning of this episode I kind of forgot what it was about so I think that um, speaks to how memorable it is as part of the histories. I think I mentioned last time also that my favorite plays in the Henriad are Henry V and Richard III. Yeah. Which they're both one part because it's a very strong like single story start to finish and they've got like one really strong main character. Yeah. With good main character energy. Yeah. Excellent main character energy. One of the main characters is an antagonist and we'll get there and I'm very excited for it. But yeah. 
I hope you'll join us next time as we go into Henry the Fourth Part Two, which I also forget what it's about. So we'll see. <laughs> Before you go, I would like to let you know that we have appeared on Words About Books podcast. We just recorded an episode with them on City of Bones, which we have talked about on here before. So if you want to go hear about that, you can head over to their podcast with us and Ben and Nate. It was a really fun time. You'll hear Chantel and I yell at each other great yes we had quite the spat all of us together and yeah if you want to find us on twitter and instagram we're at unsighted pod and i think that is the only other place you can find us on the internet except right here on our little podcast in your ears thanks so much for listening and we hope to see you in two weeks and as always we're excited and available We're back on our bullshit. This series is long.